Hey, what's going on? Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast. Here I am. Oh, fuck. Come on. Pulling out of Lowe's here. I got some dickwad with a freaking gigantic 1970s edition Chevy Dooley. Talk about fucking unwieldy. All right, shut your mouth. So here I am, pulling out of Lowe's here. Been a pretty productive morning, woke up early, unfortunately. Went to a rugby game down in uh, Chester County with uh, the North Penn Griffins, uh, formerly the Iron Lions. My son is playing for these guys, and he's got a hell of a team, let me tell you. I might have mentioned this. I think I enjoy rugby far more than football. I mean, football's cool and everything, but all the downs and the organization where it's like, okay, you know, now we got to stop and you got this many seconds to execute another play and this is what we're going to do. It's, it's kind of like a chess game. It's slower. Whereas rugby is just kind of constantly flowing. Constantly flowing. If I get tackled... I have a certain technique where I have to put the ball down between my legs and pass it on, and then somebody else can run with it, and they can pitch it back to their play, their uh, teammates and stuff. You, if you want to advance the ball down the field, you can kick it. And then chase the ball, and then you can kick. So you kick it, you can chase it. If the other team doesn't get it, they'll rec- uh, they don't, you can recover it yourself. Uh, it's really pretty a special game, and it says, as I said, there's a lot. Uh, it's a lot more cas- casual. I mean, it's serious on the one hand, but it's also kind of like just chill. Go ahead, guys. This is where you wave to people, or you let them go in the Lowe's crosswalk, and uh, they don't even acknowledge you or anything like that. Or some of them do that little scurry. They'll scurry across the. The walk there, like a little scurry in a hurry. Like I appreciate you letting me go. I'm gonna kind of do a little sprint, little little sprint scurry across the way here. Which is a nice courtesy, but it's necess- it's unnecessary, right? Let's see what we got going on. All right. So the, we won. We won the game. Sam did well. We had to tell you there were a bunch of bloody noses. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, she doesn't want me. Try to let her go. She didn't want. She'd want to be let go. She's. Oh, I'll wait. Don't you worry about it, honey. No, just get. No, I don't want. Listen, just get your fucking old fat ass across the way. Try to be nice to people. It's like. Oh, look at her! Holy shit! Holy shit, that was awesome. I'm glad I saw that. You nasty-ass woman. I'm looking at my rear view. Just keeping my wits about me here. That woman who I just tried to let out, she took the cart and ghost-rided it, like, pushed it, and she ghost-rided it across the way. I'm like, you are. That's messed up. This guy, freaking hot stuff in his Tesla. There's people watching. Listen, don't get 
don't get it twisted. I'm the nicest guy you'll ever meet, but I, I reserve the right to pass judgment on people on my Sunday. It's my day of rest, too. You can kiss my ass. Well, this little freaking student drive or four-star driving school. Yeah. I'll have mercy on you just because we've got the big ram here. I don't want to frighten anybody. Um, tarot card readings. You know how every so often you run across a place, like it'll be like an old house, and it'll have a tarot card reading sign out front. Usually it looks like they put some significant money into signage. But the rest of the house looks like it's about to fall down like it's a haunted or something. That's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what goes on in those places. You know, once upon a time, we had this, uh, this boot camp party one time. We had maybe 100 or more people there. Workers out and spouses and families and stuff. And we had a keg and everything. And I got a tarot card reader. I think she read my palm. And uh, that was interesting. I forget what she said. Uh, probably a bunch of bullshit. I know people like to... They're into that. We're into superstitions. People love... They will, I'll make fun of the tarot card reader. The palm reader. Uh, but then... Uh, you know, I'd be quite eager to hear what he or she had to say. Usually it's a she for some reason. Listen in very keenly as to what she has to say about my future and my past. And did she get that right? And, you know, somebody's talking to me from the far side. All right. Sorry if I sound like I'm chowing down this gum, but I am. My favorite type of gum is... The brand is called Five, and it's Winter Mint. Stuff is delicious, man. Keeps your breath very fresh. It's important to have fresh, fresh breath. I'll tell you. That should be in the chiropractor. I got people. I'm right on top of them. I'm working on them. I'm in their personal space, very respectfully, and I would never want to offend somebody. I'd be like, yeah, he's actually a really good doctor, but horrible breath. There's a story that I told a while back about um, one of my best stories ever. But I was getting when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, my buddies took me out and they for a farewell. So we were all kind of grown up by this time. So it was out of the ordinary that we would do this at this juncture. We were no longer young Marines; we were seasoned veterans. all in peacetime, of course, but we had served our time, and uh, here comes that Tesla. Uh, it's not a Tesla, I don't think, but it's fast. Good luck driving driving fast on 309 without a truck, my friends, for about a million potholes. So uh, I'm heading 309 south, by the way. Beautiful day, 82 degrees, sun shining out little bit of overcastness. So we went out to this, uh, my farewell in Marine Corps, we went out to this uh, topless bar called the Driftwood, which only boots, only new guys would really go to these places, mostly. It was like a young, naive, 
spend all your money on a pair of boobies bouncing in your face. It was time well spent at the time, but uh, grew out of that. So anyway, we put a little prank on a on a topless dancer who didn't want to give us the time of day. It involved bad breath gag. It's the best thing you can do. Long story short, if anybody you ever argue with somebody, and these days everybody's arguing with somebody, right? You ever find yourself arguing with somebody and they're, you know, just, they won't let it go, whatever, just say, oof, yeah, I don't know about that, politics, religion, whatever that that uh, hot topic you're, is so important that you uh, argue over. So, I, I, you know, you may be right, but I'll tell you what, you have really foul breath, and I'm done with this conversation. Whether they have halitosis or or their breath is so sweet and effervescent. You've just got the upper hand. So tuck that away for a rainy day. Um, all right, so I have a few things that I'd like to discuss, some things I've been thinking about. First of all, down while we were at the rugby game this morning, we stopped at Wawa. And there was, it was early-ish in the morning, it was like 8.39, something like that, so my wife and I dropped Sam off, we went in there, got a cup of coffee, got some other stuff, and there was a bunch of, it was a beautiful morning, right, so there's a shitload of motorcyclists that had converged on this Wawa, get themselves a little beverage, stop in to get some gas, whatever they were doing. Beautiful day, perfect riding conditions. You know, all kinds of different classifications could be seen of motorcyclists. You got the Harley folks who come in and uh, they're either solo, you know, and there's a couple of them right now. And sometimes they go in groups too. Not quite motorcycle gangs, but like suburbanites with a little bit of extra money in their pocket, and these what they do is their identity. They drive. They ride. Some, there we go. <laughs> they like to take off and accelerate like that, and I like to feel that, that they got a company, you know, and they see other motorcyclists, they'll wave to them just with an outstretched hand to the side, like pointing. And they usually have jeans and boots and maybe a helmet, hopefully a helmet. And a lot of them, they'll ride little bikes and tour bikes, a lot of tour bikes out there, pretty sizable looking machines. And then you got the um, race bike guys. We used to call them ninjas or crotch rockets when I was growing up. You can hear them on these warmer nights as they fly all around in their motorcycles. And this guy today, he looked like a fucking spaceman. Seriously, in the news today, you got Elon Musk. And he sent a bunch of people via SpaceX. He sent some astronauts up into space. And the uniforms that they were wearing, the outfits, the spacesuits, black and white, you know, a little bit of bulk to them, but streamlined, more, more streamlined. 
more streamlined than some other previous spacesuits, we think. Like ground control to Major Tom spacesuits. Ground control to Major Tom. Commencing Virgin startup engines on. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. So these fuckers, these crotch rocket guy, he gets off, he's right next to a Harley guy, and they're talking. And he's walking around. He's clearly explaining, hey, yeah, you know, nice suit, man. The suit was probably, I don't know, looked like it was $1,000 or more. Like it would really, he had knee pads on there. So this is like, it's like he's conveying. And look, it's good, great to be safe. But, you know, the attitude and the regalia of the Harley guy is like, I'm free. I'm freaking, you hear me coming. Uh, I'm a renegade. I'm a rebel. Look at me. Look how loud I am. I'm obnoxious, but I'm free, and you can't tell me what to do. I don't have to wear a helmet. And we just this is what I like to do. I just like to. This is like the message that I I like to send out there, and that's fine. Okay, if I was a, a motorcycler, I would probably have a Harley. Something that's fast, but and powerful, but not too fast and powerful. And nothing that, you know, would require me really... I just cruise, you know? That would be more my taste. But then the the race bikes, this is like a complete different story where it's like... Taking turns, pulling wheels. You know, you're wearing knee pads and a full suit and a crazy helmet. And it's like, wow, this guy, like, is he going straight to the racetrack? where they do that thing where they almost drag their knee on the ground. Like, just so streamlined. And there, there they were when we emerged with our coffee. Old French vanilla coffee, little French vanilla cream, non-dairy creamer. And my wife asked, well, what is in it if it's not dairy? Good question. I have no idea. But that's what I'll get if I go to Wawa. Now, they have tremendous uh, array. They've got quite the selection, but I'll usually get... That's my combo. French. If I'm going to go to Wawa, I'm getting some sort of deluxe coffee. Not like uh, cappuccino with whipped cream and shit, but, I, you know, I don't really feel like Wawa coffee is excellent. So I'll get, like, you know, a little bit of a flavored coffee, and I put a little creamer, just a little bit. Swizzled around, look around, take in what's going on. So that, uh, there we, we emerged. My wife got a couple cliff bars or something. They were disgusting. And we emerged from the Wawa, and there was just, it was in the town of Eagle, Pennsylvania. Eagle is on the main line. It's right off of Route 100. It's categorized as the main line, I think, right? Because that's Route 30. Anyway, Chester County, really, really upscale. It looked like the scene, it looked like it was something, the set of the Truman Show, with, um, um, fuck's his name, Jim Carrey, right, because it was so idyllic, this town, so walkable, all the little shops, that you imagine that there's codes, they all have to have, like, this color, or this profile, you can't have your own shop, and you don't want anything to stick out, you want everything to conform to their their model that they have of, you know, 
of idyllic town. But it's a beautiful town. It's probably very expensive to live there. So I meant I we went to this one freaking neighborhood, got mildly lost, had to turn around. One neighborhood, it was like houses about the same size as ours, but they all had like three car garages. I'm saying they're probably seven, eight hundred thousand dollar homes. Beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. Anyway, here we are, and all these people that are going to Wawa, coming up to Wawa, uh, they're riding their motorcycles up there, are going to stop in, even if they don't need to buy anything. They're going to sit there and they're going to see what other uh, motorcycles are doing. And here we got one of those three wheeler things two wheels in the front, one in the back. Are they called a spider or, or something like that? They're neat looking, I guess, they're handle better and you know, make a, I don't know if they're safer, but they, they look a little bit safer, look kind of neat, see people riding them, and everybody's just kind of got their own attitude and their own motorcycle that represents who they are, like, identifies them, isn't that interesting, you don't see people just, rarely see people just riding a motorcycle, just, you know, yeah, this is my regular motorcycle, there's nothing regular about a motorcycle. They're either really fast or really loud, and it's an attitude. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle just to be on one, right? You feel free. I bet you it feels like a million dollars. Or many dirt bikes and many, you know, even a few motorcycles out there on the road, and it's it's a good feeling. So more power to them. Just an observation, but it was interesting. You got a guy in a spacesuit on a rocket, crotch rocket, and then you have the friggin' Harley Hogs out there. And almost all of them are just baby boomers with some surplus income, and this is what they do. This is their identity now. I work at the investment firm Monday through Friday, and when I check out in the spring summer, I'm riding my motorcycle, baby. And I'm going to come around, and I hope I'll see you out there riding your own motorcycle. A Harley like me will make loud noises together and admire one another's whips or hogs or whatever they call them that's interesting there's probably a lot that I there's a shitload I don't know about motorcycles so just an observation on this beautiful day then next thing I'd like to talk about real quick is um, service dogs so service dogs in Lowe's for instance Lowe's is a popular place the big box stores Especially the home improvement stores. They're cool. They get, they're probably, in the 20 minutes I was in Lowe's, there were probably a dozen dogs that I saw. Big dogs, little dogs, puppies, full-sizers, old dogs, uh, soccer moms walking the dog, uh, old-timers walking the dogs. It's interesting to me. It's interesting to me because, you know, this... During the pandemic, of course, people, it's been the year of the dog, year of the household pet. We spend so much time at home, most people, that these dogs have had, um, I think that they enjoy their time with us, and they'd be sad to see us go. So it's great. This time has been wonderful. A lot of dogs adopted, record numbers of dogs adopted, I bet. And just a lot of love to go around for these dogs. I think that that is awesome. Now,
I gotta wonder though, and it maybe it's none of my business, but I don't know if I would take my dog to Lowe's. I guess uh, you know she was she's kind of a bitch, my dog. She's my bitch dog. Yeah, I've told you, mommy's a little bit anxious. We've had her at some rugby games recently, and we've had her around other people, so that's good. She's branching out, but I feel like mommy is. Um, she just doesn't need that. I'll leave her in the car with the air conditioning on and the and the air conditioning running and the vehicle running, right? Look, here's the motorcyclists. They're on like a crotch rocket riding double. Um, so I just am curious about these people that are bringing their dogs everywhere they go, like bringing them into big box stores. Now, I love to see these dogs. I saw a dog this afternoon or this morning who a beautiful um, uh, uh, pit bull that was there named Lulu or Lucy. And she was there with one of our uh, Sam's teammates' family. And she's such a sweetheart. She was uh, whining and growling. And I came over and got down to growl with her and snuggled her and she licked me. Such a sweetheart of a dog. I love dogs, so I'm happy to see them anywhere. But you, you got to wonder, like when you see a dog in Lowe's, you're, you are, you're wondering, is this person on some level like, hey, you know, I wonder if this person's a veteran, you know, there's no secret veterans and people who have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and, and other folks who have anxiety disorders, that do, or blind people, seeing eye dogs, right, working dogs, they're helping people, but most, the vast majority of the dogs that I see are just kind of dogs walking. They're, they don't seem to be, uh, again, none of my business, uh, what's going on with these folks. Are they, do they have a real re, a medical reason to have this dog, psychological reason to have this dog accompanying them, I wonder? Uh, and I, I bet in a lot of cases that's not the case. If it is, look, I think that dogs, dogs are wonderful creatures and do what you want to do. But it's kind of weird, man. It's kind of weird. Weird, I guess, only because it makes you, uh, it puzzles you as to whether or not this is a, is there a real need for this? what percentage of the people should be authorized to be bringing their dogs out to the store. It's one of those things, though, that, you know, you're not going to call, call anybody on it, right? I would never, hey, so, uh, where's your, you have, you have a, are you handicapped? You know what I mean? <laughs> but it intrigues me. Maybe it does you as well. And, you know, just like these, uh, there's people that ride different motorcycles and have a different attitude. There are dog owners that have a different attitude because of the dog. The dog like accompanies them and may they might even look like the dog and vice versa. Like the dog is per- personified. They take on the attributes of that human being. It's interesting to me. So, 
let me think what else I got going on. There were three three uh, topics of discussion. It's that time of the weekend where, especially it's a beautiful day, I feel like, wow, we got up early and knocked some things out. Only now is it 3 p.m. And uh, my semester's over. You know? My semester's over. My grades have been submitted. I've got no emails from anybody complaining, saying, hey, Dr. O, how come I got a B? I was supposed to get an A. Nobody got under a B in my class. I take that to mean my students worked hard and I'm a good teacher. That's what I'm trying to do anyway. I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, you know, clarifying that, you know, my feelings that if if majority people are doing poorly or are really struggling, that's no badge of honor for me. It doesn't mean, that means that I suck as a teacher. You know? So, I don't just give grades away though. I teach them everything I know, and I tell them exactly what I'm going to be testing them on, and lo and behold, they do well. I'm not trying to trick anybody here. All right, let me hop in the store real quick. I'll come out and tell you some other things that are on my mind. (laughs) I am back at it here. Heading home now for the day. So, something that is on my mind as well, we're just revisiting the football versus rugby thing, not, it's a, not that it's a competition necessarily, although for players it certainly is around here. A lot of the same individuals who play football play rugby, and I'm sure they love both. But rugby is a unique sport, very popular across the world. In the United States, football, soccer, baseball are more common. So I like rugby because there's a niche. You know, some of these local high schools, and by the way, I didn't play either growing up, but I'm just living vicariously through my son who's going to be a freshman in high school next year. What is worth his time? Now, he can do whatever he wants. This is his life. I'll make some recommendations and try, obviously try to keep him safe as possible and maximize his performance in all things. Um, anything I can do to help I want to but these high schools around here to be on North Penn High School especially or Satterton High School these are very large competitive schools especially um, North Penn it's got 3,000 students so out of 3,000 students how many of them are going to be you know, eligible and capable of playing on a varsity football squad. There's a lot of, uh, it's a very successful school in North Penn. Southern's no slouch either, but I could imagine my son, who, let's say he's a, you know, great, he's, he's a great athlete. He's pretty good. I'm proud of his, his hard work. I think he can be whatever he wants to be. He can maximize and be a tremendous player. But there's a lot of training to put in, and you want it to be worthwhile. So I guess I just wouldn't want him standing on the sideline hoping to get a play here or there. You know, he's got a lot of kids who are going to be competing for these positions. Rugby's a sport that it seems like everybody can play and be a part of. And can have fun, he can do it for a lot longer. 
Uh, there's a lot of adults, as I talk about, who like to play rugby. They, they, they like to show up and still play rugby and, and do what they can do. And maybe they'll play tag rugby, I don't know, or whatever the fuck it involves, if there is a lighter version of it. And there are quite a few kids that walked away of that field today with bloody noses and uh, banged up, etc. It's, it is pretty violent sport. But uh, you know, they try to mitigate that. I talked about tackling techniques, etc., etc. But so you got football, which seems like it's more methodical, more of like, okay, you know, we've got this time. How much time is on the clock? And we got to do this, and we got to strategize, and uh, you know, we had four downs, and we got to get a first down. Oh, uh, we do we make it, or are we short of the first down? So it's just a completely different animal. Whereas rugby is like flowing moving constantly, sure, can be extremely competitive, but he seems to be having a lot more fun playing rugby, and football seems to be just tremendously serious, like, make it or break it, friggin' every, you know, movie that you've ever seen about any given Sunday, and, you know, we said the draft recently, and all these players, speaking of I was thinking about this, you know, we've had this draft and all these young players are trying to, you know, they get drafted, you see them sitting there on the couch with their family and their girlfriends and, you know, and they get, you know, um, hey, from the University of Alabama, we're going to get this guy, he's going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles, well, that's great, and we got this wide receiver who's going to be awesome, but it seemed to me, um, A lot of fanfare. I know there's a lot of money and fame and stuff at stake. And I know these athletes want this more than anything to make it to the big leagues, the NFL, make a big payday, be very successful, be the toast of the town and all that. Just seems to me a very zany, risky proposition. You know, you get people online who... It's almost like professional athletics is like... the Roman Colosseum, gladiators, you know, this is my gladiator, and, you know, he's the best gladiator, he's never lost in 50 battles, he's killed everyone, and cut their heads off, and destroyed the competition, and we love him, he gets the best food, and he gets all the best uh, of everything, best sleeping quarters, gets women, uh, da-da-da-da-da-da, it's almost like these athletes, it, it's, they, they might as well be racehorses or dog races or car races or any sort of competition where it's just like foot to the floor, pedal to the goddamn metal, all or nothing. And they're willing to pay them and, and the athlete, or handily and the athletes are willing to take risks and then some, and they want all this fame and fortune, and then they get there, and they, you know, we've, there's so many stories about how the athletes don't seem to know always what to do with it, or how to control all the fame and fortune, and they'll do something, and <clears throat> think about um, Watson right now from the, is it the Texans, this guy, I don't fucking know what he's up to, but he, he did some stupid ass shit found massage therapists, quote-unquote, on Instagram, and, um, 
doing like a class action lawsuit now. So that's fucked up. So they don't know what to do with their fame. So they do crazy zany things or they spend all their money or they shoot somebody or they, you know, it's, I'm sure that there's plenty. That's a, this is a stereotype. Just, it just seems like it's an idea. It's a concept. It's off the rails. You know, it's also like that as the UFC. Now, for some reason, on my news ticker on Facebook, it picked up that I like, you know, I'm interested in martial arts, MMA, UFC. I used to be big into it, and I kind of throttled back because it was just like every weekend there's a, a new you know, fight. And I don't know as many of the fighters these days, but I follow it. You know, I listen to Joe Rogan and stuff. It's incredible. You know, the, there's all this stuff going on right now. You got these YouTubers, Jake Paul and his brother, and they're, you know, amateur boxers, and they made in the rain, and they made their professional debut, and now they're fighting people that are, you know, not class action or class, uh, world-class boxers, but they're, they're fighting, like, MMA, uh, people who are MM, MMA specialists, but they were wrestlers. That was their forte, right? So so that the odds are a little bit better in their favor, and they've won, and there's all this, like, back and forth about how you're not, it's not real fighting because the UFC, you can punch, you can kick, you can elbow, you can knee, you can do all these things. Uh, boxing is not real fighting. And, well, <laughs> I, so I, I've tuned into this conversation and the shit talking between competitors. Now, I guess that's only natural. You know, I'm big. Maybe I'm not a realist. I just feel like, cause there's the mental game, you know, you, you hear sometimes about, well, this athlete talks shit, like Andre Agassi back in the day. He, and, uh, not Andre Agassi, he was, he might have gotten fired. John McEnroe, right? He would throw his racket and he would threaten people and he would drop F bombs and so on and so forth. He was such a fierce competitor and such a character. Just did, acted however he wanted to act. And, People, you know, he, he's a household name because of that. Or a Lawrence Taylor in football, or a Muhammad Ali, you know, just a just a big, you know, capable shit talker. And most of them can back up their shit talking, but not always. There's always somebody bigger, faster, better athlete, better person. And so it's interesting to me how this how this mental game, how this trash talking, they use it as an instrument to get underneath uh, one another's skin and to, to create leverage and to create um, interest in a fight. And, you know, then there's social media, which, of course, is a, an entity unto itself. It's perfect for shit-talking. You know, such and such said this. I can't believe that he said that or she said that. One of the things that really I, I watched recently, there's this guy... It was a weigh-in, right? The weigh-ins have always been a big big, uh, spectacle, right? So you got these adults, typically, young adults, now full of testosterone, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they are um, measuring 
each other up and stuff. Now, they're going to fight, ultimately, so people want to see them get close. I get the whole thing on some level. But on another level, it's like, this is so fucking stupid. There was a way in, and this guy, uh, Jeremy Stevens and such and such close. His last name was K-L-O-S-E, close or close. And they're, they're up there. And they're talking trash, and they, you know, they, they go up and they weigh in, they make weight, and then they turn to the crowd and they make a fighter stance, and then you know they, they approach one another, and the promoter, like a Dana White or whoever, gets in in between them, and then it's like the standard, uh, hold me back, hold me back, you know, and somebody tries to, you know, uh, talk shit or. Um, prompt the other to flinch or to um, behave in a way that it, it's like this whole showdown. It's, whole, it's this whole show. Like, oh, do you believe what such and such did to weigh in? Oh my gosh. I can't believe he spit in his face. Or I can't believe that he um, did this or that. I'm thinking, you, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So this Jer- Stevens and Close fight, they're up there for the weigh-in and Jeremy Stevens is all pumped up and he shoves this other dude and sprained his neck. Like a powerful shove. Like the shove was a strike. This is something, you know, before you say, oh, you should have been able to take that. It, when you're, if you're not ready, I don't care who you are. If you're not ready for a physical insult, a, uh, uh, an impulse to receive a punch or whatever. It's like a sucker punch. It comes out of nowhere. You're not prepared. It just completely knocks your block off. So this guy wasn't there to weigh in, for Christ's sake. He expected a little bit of heated conversation and maybe a stare down. But the guy double shoved him and, like, palm heel striked him in the chest. And you see the guy, you can see his head going forward. Like, it really stretched him out and, and fucked him up. Like, gave him whiplash, essentially. So he strained his fucking neck and went to the hospital after the weigh-in. I'm saying, are you guys fucking idiots? Is this really necessary? Is is all this pomp and circumstance, is it really necessary to sell this, you know, these fights? It's something that's always been in the movies, though. You know, whether it's Clubber Lang saying he was going to kill Rocky or Ivan Drago, whatever the hell it was. Ivan Ivan Drago pushing Paulie. There's always been some sort of something. And then, like, the corners come out and, you know, boxing, you know, um, trainers and coaches are fighting each other and pushing each other and refs are trying to hold everybody back and... The problem with this is, is though, while it might typically work out okay, and it's just a stare down and some drama that then builds towards the fight, maybe in some cases it's very necessary to create this back and forth, this rivalry, this tribalism between two parties, so they can really fight and bring their best. And it, it's a it's part of the fight as well, maybe you could say. That strate- strategy, that... Um, that craft, you know, like the way Conor McGregor talks trash 
and he's great at it. He's an Irish, scrappy Irish guy, and, you know, did attack the bus one time, and threw a chair, and shattered a window, and then some guy was hurt, and so on and so forth. Lawsuits and all this shit. Things get out of control sometimes, and people do, you know, really stupid shit. And I just think that it's so dumb and so unnecessary. I cannot stand that. I, I don't know where where I get that from. Right, maybe I'm a pussy. I don't fucking know. I know pussies are strong. I'm sorry for using that term. I, I agree that they're strong, very strong. The vagina is, you know, putting up with all the abuse and delivering human lives into this world, it's, it's, I'm sorry, but I'm using the term in a derogatory manner, so, uh, I remember when I used to wrestle, you run out and you'd shake the guy's hand before the, the match started, and that was like a dramatic thing, I'm gonna run down this, uh, corridor of other wrestlers, I'm gonna coaches are going to pat me on the back, I'm going to run out, square off, put my foot on the tape, and square off against the other wrestler. A dramatic moment, and, and made you anxious, and made you, your adrenaline freaking surge, it was crazy to be on that drug. Cotton mouth, just heart racing, all that shit, feel like you're going to throw up. I'd go out there, and if I had a moment before the match started, let's say it was a tournament or something, we're waiting on the ref to step back to the, you know, to the center. My friend Jill and Dan. Um, let's say I had a couple moments there. I would shake the guy's hand and I would say, hey, my name's Aaron. <laughs> and the guy, and the other wrestler would be like, you know, wide-eyed, be like, I'm Steve. You know what I mean? It'd bring, it would interject the humanity into things a little bit. I think, oh, God, doesn't the world need a little bit more humanity? I'm trying to be a voice of reason here. So, just coming full circle. Isn't it interesting about these motorcyclists and the way they ride around? Kind of the way Jeep drivers all hang out with one another and beep and go to the Jeep jamborees and trick out their cars and it's a Jeep thing and put a fucking tire cover on and all that shit. Or the way motorcyclists like to, you know, get in their little groups and eye each other up and rev their engines and do the little, little, uh, Hiya, as they're cruising around through the little their motorcycle wave, or get their rumble going, or wear a helmet, or wear an entire spacesuit, or the way people with uh, their service dogs walk through the big box stores. Is it how different is that than when if you had a puppy walking on the beach as a young man? Man, you can get a shitload of. Uh, attention that way, right? Gotta slow down here. I got some Mennonites riding a fucking buggy down the road. Remember that? That was like the thing. If you were if you were a guy, if you wanted extra attention, 
you would bring a puppy to the beach, you'd definitely get a date that way. You know, you're shy. Dogs break the ice, don't they? If they're nice dogs and everybody wants to pet them, oh yeah, this is this is Russell. This is our dog, Russell. Isn't he a nice guy? Uh, say hi, Russell. Yeah, he's a service dog. Uh, were you a POW? Were you, you know, did you have some sort of whatever? An injury, a uh, you a veteran, you PTSD. I just fucking want to take my dog in here. They let you do it, and it's really nice to be around. I feel comfortable around my dog. Ever since the pandemic of, of 2020, I just kind of feel like I need to bring my service dog every which way with me. Listen, I, I think it's... I'm not saying any of these things are bad. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with riding the Harley versus a fucking crotch rocket, or there's anything wrong with um, putting your game face on before a uh, your sport or wagering on professional athletics or paying young men and women top dollar when they're all brawn and sometimes no brains and they're going to go out and spend their millions on cars and women and drugs and mansions and years later we'll hear about them not having a pot to piss in just a crazy world. It's interesting, though. Very interesting world. So, that's what's on my mind today, my friends. What a beautiful afternoon. I'm going to go maybe have a little cup of coffee, check my schedule for tomorrow, get my clothes out. Um, I'm reading a couple books right now. I'm reading um, White Fang by Jack London. I'm also uh, reading Into the Wild, which is a movie that I saw, uh, which is great. Um, story about Christopher McCandless. And my buddy was nice enough to send me that book. Yeah, we should all be so fortunate to have a friend who's willing to share a good, some good literature with us. Really a lot of good detail on that. And I'm also reading something on neuro-linguistic programming. An audible listen. That's kind of cool. Uh, NLP is it's like a, uh, a psychological tool. It's, a, it's an instrument. It's kind of common sense in a way, you know, the, the way we hold on to our fears and our uh, hang-ups and uh, our egos and all that shit. NLP teaches you how to um, put things in perspective. So it's pretty neat. In closing, I'll just say, that, um, look at that fucking bear, man. I carved this grizzly bear for a friend. In three hours, I put on this thing. It's going to be emerging from a damn stump. It is a fierce-looking bear. In closing, I want everybody to have a damn good week, all right? Love and respect to you. Be good to one another. I try to learn as much as I can this week. I'm excited 
because I got fucking, I got some time now. I got some time to do my carving and to clean up the house and to um, get ahead on some paperwork and really accomplish some of my goals. So I'm very much excited. I hope you are as well. Uh, spring is definitely, definitively sprung now. And there's going to be some air conditioning in our futures. And hopefully the, the, the fairer weather will, um, it'll round out people's um, personalities a little bit more. They can enjoy some more time outside and we can hopefully get beyond this pandemic if everybody just acts reasonable and still maintains some discipline to prevent the uh, spread of this COVID cooties. You understand what I'm saying? All right, love and respect, my friends. (laughs)